Welcome to the Peace Podcast. I'm John Deere. And today I'd like to reflect with you on Advent and Christmas by pondering Mary's pilgrimage of nonviolence as told in the Gospel of Luke. My reflections are from my book, Mary of Nazareth, Prophet of Peace. But I have other reflections on Advent and Christmas on my website, johndeer.org. Well, let me say first a big thank you for taking the time to listen to our Pace Bene Peace podcast. This is our third one, and if you like it, I ask you to let your friends know about it and help promote it on Facebook and elsewhere. You can get it on iTunes, SoundCloud, or pacebene.org. So every year at Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, the greatest peacemaker in history, the greatest person of nonviolence in history, who practiced and taught nonviolence, who marched to Jerusalem to confront injustice, who was killed by the empire but died in a spirit of nonviolence, and rose to offer his resurrection gift of peace and send us on his campaign of nonviolence. I think Advent is a beautiful, quiet, holy season of peace and hope. It's a good time to get ready to celebrate the birth of the nonviolent Jesus, and so to carry on his work again in the new year in a renewed spirit. But I always wondered where Jesus learned all this nonviolence. And the Gospel of Luke says clearly he learned it from his good Jewish mother. So today I'd like to invite you to spend this Advent in prayer and peace and hope to deepen your nonviolence and your own journey as a peacemaker by reflecting on the three movements of nonviolence according to Luke's story of Mary. First, the Annunciation as contemplative nonviolence, which leads to second, the Visitation as act of nonviolence, which leads to third, the Magnificat as prophetic nonviolence. So let me begin by reading from the first chapter of Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your wound and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great and be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his ancestor, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the God of peace. May it be done to me according to your word. And so the angel departed from her. So Mary's journey of peace, I suggest, begins with contemplative prayer. I think that means for us the spiritual journey of peace begins with 
contemplative prayer and nonviolence. I see the Annunciation as a scene of contemplative prayer and nonviolence. It's a, the place of peace where Mary communes with the God of peace. She's a nonviolent person and, con, and a contemplative, a person of prayer, silence, and solitude. She, lits, she sits listening attentively to God, and in that silence and stillness, she encounters God because she's ready for God. And I think that's what we have to do too. That's the first and most important thing we can do during these Advent days, to sit in silence and solitude in contemplative prayer, open ourselves to God, and listen for God. I think then that the life of peace begins by sitting silently and listening for God. And when we do this, all the violence and junk inside us comes up, which is why no one likes to sit in silence and contemplative prayer. But we can learn from Mary to just go and be with the God of peace and spend time with the God who loves us and let God over time disarm our hearts and give us the gift of peace. I think, in fact, the only way to be peaceful is to spend time with the God of peace who's always trying to prepare us for peace and to send us forth as peacemakers. So notice a few things. When the angel comes and greets Mary, it's scary. Mary's first reaction is fear. She's terrified. It says she's deeply disturbed. I think there's a lesson there. When God enters our lives, we're afraid and disturbed. So we need to look at our fears if we want to deepen the journey of nonviolence. But we can learn, like Mary, not to be afraid. So Mary speaks with the angel and, quest and asks questions and moves, if you notice, from fear to confusion. The angel says, God is doing all this in you. A child will be born. He will be the savior of the world and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary kind of says, huh? But Mary accepts it all. And here's her sentence. Let it be done to me according to your word. And my question is, how is it she is able to say yes? How is Mary able to accept the angel's message? Because she knows who she is. She calls herself the servant of the God of peace. This is critically important. The journey of peace and nonviolence comes down to our identity. This is how the spiritual journey of peace and nonviolence begins. She knows first and foremost that she is the servant of the God of peace. So if the God of peace wants her to do something, the answer is yes, no matter what, because her sole purpose and mission is to serve the God of peace. How we see ourselves is critically important. It's the foundation of the spirituality of peace and nonviolence. The problem is the culture of war is always telling us who we are, and we go right along in claiming these false identities. You're an American. You're a citizen. You're a Republican or a Democrat. Oh, you want to be all you can be? Join the Marines and kill for the United States. Remember that old commercial? Mary, on the other hand, is a peacemaker. And if we want to be peacemakers too, like Mary, we're invited to understand our true identities as first and foremost servants of the God of peace. If you call yourself a servant of the God of peace, you will try to do the will of the God of peace and become a peacemaker. This is a beautiful way to understand ourselves and to live our lives. This is a very good spiritual practice. And Jesus will pick up on all this because he goes through the same process in his baptism and temptations 
where he hears God call him my beloved and he claims his true identity and he's faithful to the end and is a true peacemaker. By the way, notice too that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus also quotes his mother, let it be done to me according to your will. Now how about this? When Mary says yes to, the, to God, the God of peace and the angel, this is political. It's revolutionary. It's going to mean trouble for her, and she accepts it. The angel is talking about a kingdom that will never end. That's supposed to be the Roman Empire. This is revolution. This totally goes against Caesar. And by the way, America and Trump. And Mary says yes. And notice, too, of course, the obvious. God is not coming to some powerful man, to the emperor or a military leader, or the president, but to a poor, unwed woman on the outskirts of the empire. This is very instructive. This is how God operates. And finally, we read this touching line that the angel tells Mary about Elizabeth. And I think we can learn from that, that God never really seems to give us a mission on our own. God always sends us friends and relatives for the journey. For the journey. So Mary makes haste to Elizabeth. So the first thing that we can learn from the first movement of the spiritual life of peace is that we need to become like Mary, contemplatives of nonviolence, mystics of nonviolence, who are open to God, free to say yes to God and God's mission of peace because we know who we are, the servants of the God of peace. The whole point of prayer, contemplation, and even mysticism is to open our hearts and our, our beings completely to the God of peace and to say yes to the journey of peace that we are called to, so that we can follow more and more faithfully the nonviolent Jesus on the path of nonviolence and be a help to the reign of peace, and that we do not hurt anyone ever again, much less support the culture of war. But we spend our lives communing with the living God and live in peace with everyone. Prayer is about a relationship with someone we love. It's our formal time when we sit with the God of peace that's why I call it contemplative nonviolence, because we enter into the presence of the God of peace who loves us infinitely. We open ourselves to God's peace. We dwell in God's presence. We love the God of peace. Better yet, we let the God of peace love us. And in the process, more and more, our hearts are disarmed of our inner violence, and we are healed, given the gift of peace, and uh, ready to become peacemakers. So the first step in nonviolence is to become contemplatives and mystics, to take time each day for our intimate relationship with God and to allow the God of peace to disarm our hearts of our inner violence and the wars within us so that we can be dis disarmed and become better people of uh, creative nonviolence. So this Advent, I invite you to spend more time formally with the God of peace and to sit in contemplative nonviolence like Mary every day. Let the God of peace come to you. Give God your inner violence and resentment. And let go of your violence, anger, and wounds, which means forgive everyone. And move like Mary from fear and confusion, from anger and violence, to nonviolence, forgiveness, mercy, compassion, deeper understanding so that you can say yes to the God of peace and the mission that lies ahead for us. And in the process, discover more and more that God is nonviolence, that God really loves us, that God is sending us forth as peacemakers. 
So here's some questions we can ask ourselves during Advent. What is your image of God? Who is the God you worship? Is your God violent or nonviolent? It's very important. When did God speak to you? And when did you say yes to God? And how do you see yourself as a servant of the God of peace? What would it be like to claim that as your true identity more and more? How are you called like Mary to be a peacemaker? In other words, how do you practice contemplative nonviolence? So next I'll read from, read from Luke chapter 1, the story of the visitation, which is the second movement of nonviolence, how contemplative nonviolence leads to active nonviolence, to love for the neighbor. Okay, here, here it goes. During those days, Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. So what do we notice? Well, first of all, prayer leads to nonviolent action. This is the second movement of the spiritual life. Right at the start of the Gospel of Luke, we go from contemplative nonviolence to active nonviolence. Mary gets up and makes haste to reach out with love for her neighbor in need, her cousin Elizabeth. I think contemplative prayer leads us to reach out and love for our neighbors in need. And when she reaches Elizabeth, the first thing she does is give a greeting. Well, what's the greeting? She would have said the word shalom, which means peace be with you, just as Jesus does many times later, especially when he rises from the dead. And then you see in Luke 10, when he instructs the 72 disciples to go forth, he says, to, he says this interesting teaching, whatever house you enter, say, peace be with you. Mary says, peace be with you, and Elizabeth rejoices, and the child in her womb jumps for joy. So the way I look at this is that Mary speaks the words of peace, and, and that leads to joy and blessings and con consolation, and that's what we have to do too. Speak the words of peace as we engage in nonviolent loving action. We practice, like Mary and Elizabeth, nonviolent communication. So here we have a scene of two pregnant women on the outskirts of the horrible empire who have a dramatic experience of God. And they meet and start talking and telling their stories and sharing their experience of God. And what happens? They're filled with consolation. This is very important. Community sharing, telling our stories about God's actions in our lives, relationship, friendship, speaking the words of peace to one another. All this leads to rejoicing. All of this is part of the Advent journey of peace. They are both consoled. Practicing peace and nonviolence should lead to consolations and joy. So I invite you to reflect and how you do this, how your peacemaking life uh, gives you consolation and how you bring consolation to others as Mary does. So notice Elizabeth. 
She responds to the words of peace with two beatitudes. Wow. Blessed are you, and blessed is your child. She blesses. So let me ask you, how do you bless people? What beatitudes do you speak? Notice, too, that the unborn John the Baptist rejoices at the greeting of peace, at the news of Jesus, how he recognizes the God of peace even before he's born. So I invite you to think of it this way. How do you rejoice at the visitation of Jesus and Mary in your life, at the coming of Jesus into your life? This is a beautiful thing to ponder. And then Elizabeth asks the question again. We're back where we started. Who am I? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. It's about identity, there it is again. We too can ask, who are we that the mother of the God of peace, much less the God of peace should visit us? I think this is a very important question. Who are we? Mary knew who she was. Mary is the servant of the God of peace. Elizabeth isn't so sure, and neither are we. But like Mary, like Elizabeth, I presume, we can learn to claim our true identities as the servants of the God of peace and know who we are. Eventually, Jesus will say, you are the daughters and sons of the God of peace, and therefore you are peacemakers. And after this, then note, Elizabeth gives a third beatitude. Blessed is she who trusted that the Lord's words would be fulfilled. That's lovely. So all we have to do is trust God and say yes to God and let God's word of peace be fulfilled in us. No problem. So from this visitation story, we learn, I suggest, that we are all called to become activists of nonviolence. People who reach out to those in need, people who love our neighbors, love everyone. Contemplative nonviolence pushes us into action we have to get up and get moving. It gets the movement moving. It's not vertical action, me and God alone, but horizontal action to reach out to our brothers and sisters in, in need here and now on earth. Concrete love and action, as Dorothy Day emphasized. So I invite you this Lent to reach out and love to a neighbor in need as an expression of Advent, as part of the Advent journey of peace. We try to reach out to the poor to serve the poor, accompany the poor, walk with the poor, befriend the poor, stay, <coughs> excuse me, stand with the poor, and ultimately defend the poor, and give our lives for the poor, and become like Mary and Jesus, one with the poor. And then, to go further like them, to make that love for the poor and marginalized universal, so that we stand with all the oppressed and poor peoples of the earth, as Gandhi and Dorothy Day tried to do, and then we advocate for justice and peace. So our contemplative nonviolence will lead us to some public action, to the movement on behalf of the poor and marginalized to bring justice and peace. And so we come to the rest of Luke chapter one, the Magnificat, which is the third movement of nonviolence. So we will go on this Mary's pilgrimage from contemplative to active, to prophetic nonviolence. All right there in the story. I find this so beautiful and exciting. So I'll read now. Mary said, my soul proclaims the greatness of the God of peace. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for God has looked upon God's servant's lowliness. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. 
The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. God's mercy is from age to age to those who fear God. God has shown the strength of his arm and scattered the, the arrogant of mind and heart. God has thrown down the rulers from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. The hungry God has filled with good things. The rich God has sent away empty. God has helped Israel, God's servant, remembering God's mercy according to God's promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and Sarah and their descendants forever. Wow. So Mary's Advent journey of peace goes from contemplative nonviolence to active nonviolence to prophetic nonviolence. Mary's acceptance of God's will and her reaching out to Elizabeth fills her with joy and consolation, which leads her to proclaim the Magnificat, which is a bold prophetic statement in the biblical tradition. There's no other way to see it that way. It's both a denunciation of empire, war, and injustice, and a proclamation about the God of peace and all that God is doing for justice and peace here and now. Remember, Mary is a nobody. She's a poor, pregnant, unwed woman, the outskirts of the empire, about to become a homeless refugee, yet God has chosen her, and she becomes here this mighty prophet of peace. So the Advent journey of peace forms us, I invite you to consider, into becoming prophets of peace and nonviolence. This is what we're all called to be, a prophetic, peacemaking people who proclaim a new Magnificat. It's so interesting to me that the only ones who know what is happening so far in the story, if I've got my math right, are Mary, Elizabeth, uh, the unborn, and the angels. Yet Mary is totally confident, filled with joy, and sees the whole outcome. She believes all this. I, I find that very exciting and hopeful. Dare we have such faith and hope? At, and rejoice at the coming of God's reign and all that God is doing because it's already happened and it's happening now and we just trust and believe it is. I think we can. So a few things to point out. First, my soul proclaims the greatness of the God of peace. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. These are words of great consolation and joy and hope and they are all focused on the God of peace God's greatness and God's actions, not us. God is the one doing all of this. But the way it's written by the evangelist, because it fits within the prophetic tradition, I think means it's a public proclamation. All of this journey so far, so far leads up to and builds to this climactic magnificat as a public proclamation. I translate this to mean that we too have to speak out publicly about God's greatness and saving action, that Mary is teaching us here to be public peacemakers who focus on the God of peace, and that's what Jesus learned from her. Okay, for God has looked upon his servant's lowliness. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. The mighty one has done great things for me. She says, God has been active in my life. She knows she is blessed and can see the future, that everyone's going to be touched by this blessing. In other words, I suggest it's not about results, but about being blessed by God who's bringing about the outcome and allowing everyone to share in this great blessing. I notice too there in the fine print, she's saying that God's eyes 
are on God's servants who are always poor and lowly and peacemakers. That's lovely. Holy is God's name. God's mercy is from age to age to those who fear God. Mary starts describing the nature and the way of God. Mary says, God is holy. And I translate that to mean God is a God of mercy, a God of nonviolence, a God of universal love. Mary knows who God is and what God is like, and she tells us this because she has encountered God. I think each one of us has encountered God too. And our job is to announce that contrary to what the culture of war and greed is saying, God, the good news, God is a God of mercy and nonviolence and universal love. And that God's peace and mercy and nonviolence and universal love is permanent upon every human being throughout history. I translate that also to mean God is at work from generation to generation through grassroots, bottom-up, people-power movements of nonviolence. We need to think about how God's nonviolence and mercy moves from age to age throughout history up to our own times. It's not going to be in the papers, but we can take heart as we reflect on this because the whole world continues to be mobilized through God's action, God's movement of creative nonviolence among us. Well, then it's just like it goes nonviolently ballistic. Mary lists all these revolutionary things God has done and is doing. I'm just going to come right out with this. Mary is not pious. She's talking about justice and peace, and her words are radical and revolutionary, not pious platitudes for someone on a little statue on your dashboard. You can be killed for saying these things. And if you don't believe me, it's already happened. Uh, during the dirty war in Argentina in the 1970s, now we know all this historically. Remember the mothers of the disappeared, 30,000 people were disappeared. We now know they were all thrown into the ocean out of helicopters by the junta. So the mothers marched into the streets of Buenos Aires <laughs> in classic nonviolent street theater with big placards saying the Magnificat. That's all it said. Hundreds of people carrying the Magnificat. So what do you do? The, the junta had to ban the Magnificat or you'd be killed. And some people were, more people were rounded up. That's the power of these words, if we dare really listen to them. Mary is speaking about a radical economic, social, and political conversion and transformation and says God is leading a total nonviolent revolution and cultural transformation. And it's happening even up to this very minute. Here's what she says. God has shown the strength of God's arm. God has scattered the arrogant of mind and heart. God has thrown down the rulers from their throne. God has lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things. God has sent the rich away empty. God has helped Israel, God's servant. God has remembered God's mercy according to God's promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and Sarah and their descendants forever. Mary says God is doing these things and they've already happened and there are happening still right now that God shows a preferential option for the poor, that God liberates the oppressed, that God topples rulers, emperors, tyrants, and presidents, that God lifts up the lowly and feeds the hungry, that God sends the rich away empty, that God is faithful to God's people, and that God is doing great things for humanity, for justice and peace. It's absolutely spectacular. 
The culmination of Mary's Advent journey of peace and nonviolence is this bold prophetic statement, the Magnificat, one of the most political statements in the entire Bible, which Jesus clearly learned. This is his mother. I think that means, therefore, that Advent should form us and lead us to become bold prophetic people, prophets of peace and nonviolence, who dare speak out publicly, who are not afraid to rock the boat, and disrupt the peace, who denounce the false spirituality of war and violence around us, and who speak the truth of peace and nonviolence. Luke describes a pilgrimage of nonviolence that leads us to speak out publicly against our country's wars and violence and to call for peace, justice, and nonviolent alternatives. As people who listen to the, gospel, the God of peace, we go forth to serve those in need, and that leads us to speak up publicly for justice and discernment and creation and the coming of God's reign of peace. So this Advent, um, we might reflect on our own Magnificats. Isn't that a lovely thing? How do you speak out for peace and justice today? What keeps you from speaking out, from joining the prophetic movements? In other words, what is your Magnificat? As peacemakers, we too have to become a Magnificat people of prophetic nonviolence like Mary and later Jesus who speak out publicly. The good thing is that we don't have to do this alone, and I think that's the most helpful thing to, to recognize. Unlike Mary, let's say, we can do it with other friends. We can do it together through the grassroots prophetic movements of justice and peace and creation. And that means together as a movement, we can stand up here and now where we are and say things like this. Stop all the wars and occupations today in Afghanistan, Iraq, Yemen, Pakistan, Palestine, and Syria. Bring all the troops home. Let the UN resolve all the crises nonviolently, seeks nonviolent solutions for peace. Welcome every immigrant to our country. Close Guantanamo. Close our 750 military bases around the world. Close our terrorist training camps like the SOA in Georgia, as well as the CIA, the NSA, and the Pentagon. House all the homeless. Give free universal health care. Abolish the death penalty, torture, racism, police brutality, and mass incarceration. Undertake treaties for nuclear disarmament. Cut the military budget. Abolish every nuclear weapon and weapon of mass destruction. Don't take fossil fuels out of the ground. Find alternative sources of energy. Clean up the air, the earth, the oceans. Stop the destruction of the environment and the creatures. And then, with the billions and billions and billions of dollars saved by disarmament, feed every starving child and refugee on the planet, abolish extreme poverty, and educate every human being in the methodology of nonviolent conflict resolution so we can institutionalize nonviolent conflict resolution globally. That's the kind of thing I think we should be saying. And like Mary, we can say, this is what the God of peace is doing right now, what God wants, and what God is working at. So in conclusion, dear friends, Luke presents the Advent journey in the story of Mary as the journey from contemplative nonviolence to active nonviolence, and finally, prophetic nonviolence. We'll see all of this in Jesus' own life and hear him call us to do the same, to be a prophetic people who speak on behalf of the God of peace, to be pilgrimage people on a journey of nonviolence, becoming who we're 
we were created to be, who we already are, holy peacemakers. So as we prepare for Christmas, I invite you to spend time in prayer and contemplative nonviolence with the God of peace, to model your active nonviolence on Mary and Elizabeth so that it leads to blessings, consolation, service, and joy, and then to speak out boldly with the grassroots movements for justice and peace, a new prophetic message, a new Magnificat that will help us all become nonviolent people, ready to follow the nonviolent Jesus and do our part to welcome the great Christmas gift of peace on earth, a whole new culture of peace and nonviolence. Thank you very much. God bless you and peace be with you. <music>